Welcome to another episode of Culture's Corner, everybody, where the best opinions travel to chat with me, Culture, in the best corner of the globe. As most of you guys know, the League of Legends Midseason Invitational is in full swing and entering into the semifinal portion of the tournament. Team Liquid, SK Telecom T1, G2 Esports, and Invictus Gaming are set to bow out for a spot in the finals. Now, last time we talked some League, we were just entering the group stages and there were a lot of doubts about if Team Liquid could make it even past the likes of Fongu, Buffalo, and Flash Bulls to get it into the semifinals. But here we are and they made it, albeit in fourth place. I mean, it's the fourth place curse for a reason. It happened out to be good this time. And now they're playing against the number one seed, Invictus Gaming, after an up and down road, as only North America knows how in groups. This time, the coal train isn't on schedule. Next time, maybe it'll roll through the station. But for now, we have Steve, Sir Buttkick Kangas joining the show to highlight semifinals with me. Steve, how's your night going tonight, man? Hey, how's it going, man? I That whole intro, I just imagine you sitting like on a, on a red sofa uh, with like a glass of brandy, just kind of like shaking around <laughs> some glass in there. Uh <laughs> But I'm, I'm happy to be here. Happy. I got my tea. I, that, if anyone's wondering what I'm drinking, it's uh, it's some sleepy time with some honey in it. But I'm having a good night, Culture. Thanks for having me on the show. Happy to talk League of Legends any night of the week. Uh, you know what? Talking about drinks, I wish, I'm wish i saving. I have a small little bit of Jack Daniels honey, Tennessee honey whiskey left. Oh, really? I'm saving it for that moment when Team Liquid... <laughs> upsets IG and I can break it out in celebration like just put it in my little glass some ice do exactly do exactly the image that you were saying but except on a gray sofa which is what I have Hell a sectional yeah. in my new apartment that is but absolutely anyways, the the only way to celebrate a team liquid victory and I, I think that's a great uh, transition there culture are we talking to liquid right now is that what just straight out the gate how they're gonna win oh I'm yep they're gonna I think you talked about before the show how to, Three zero. Is it time to predict? What, is that what you're about to ask me? Three zero, Team Liquid. This is how they're going to do it, everybody. Straight. Yes. What does a Team Liquid victory rock look like? and roll? Step one. Step two, Ford Mustangs. Step three, freedom. That's it. That's all they need mm. to uh, to secure that win. Basically, what I'm saying is that you got to turn your brains off. There's no strategic chance of us winning. We just got to give them all of our hope. If anyone's been watching Avali May's like hype videos for liquid. Uh, that's pretty much our only hope is just like, give them our spirit, spiritual energy. That, that tastes American. <laughs> and I can, I can get by. I mean, you're right. <laughs> you're right. Because they're against Invictus gaming. And despite everything we saw, some people might be like, Oh, Invictus was playing sloppy. There might be a chance. They don't understand. Razzleplasm went through this. And a lot of people that have been actually following the LPL know this is this is exactly how china likes to play is they are willing to stoop down to your level not because of some syndrome where they are deficient because but because they like to do that they like to get nitty-gritty if you're gonna play high kill high pressure they'll play high yeah. kill high pressure if you want to play slow I, they'll just run over ig you. is just such a fun team to watch i'm not gonna lie i'm an ig fan i want na to win absolutely like there's no chance in hell i'm gonna root for ig but they're a fun team to watch, and I will give them that. Like you said, they just they come to fight. They do not back down from a challenge, and you got to respect that. And 
just so much talent on the roster too. across the board. We don't really have to go through all the names. The shy and rookie are the first ones you need to know, but everyone on that team is dangerous. And I really think it comes down to if we want to get a little bit analytical here, the the jungle matchup. And they talked okay. about a little bit. The analysts for MSI, they were like, Smithy. I mean, they talked about when Team Liquid was trying to fight to survive and get here, and I think it still applies, is if Team Liquid really wants to make it, Smithy has to be able to control the jungle, because Double have talked about it to uh, to uh, Shocks, which is we play a objective-centered control style. We fight around blue buff. We fight around objectives in the dragon pit. And IG's going to be like, okay, cool. But if Xmithy can't get up and running and get some jungle control against Ning, then it's all she wrote from minute one. Well, but that's that's the thing. I actually, if we want to break this down analytically and actually be serious about it, when we talk about IG playing to the level of their opponents, that's kind of what we saw the last two times these teams faced in the group stages. Liquid was playing around those objectives, and IG was answering them around those objectives. They weren't playing like they played against G2, where it's just like fight in lane for the sake of fighting in lane. It really did feel like classic League of Legends, almost like Season 6 Korean-style League of Legends. That's what Liquid almost embodies to me. This is kind of, we're going to fight when there's an objective to fight for, and never anytime else. <laughs> just try and control the vision, yeah. uh, and then hold out. Uh, and it's hard to play that style, but I think IG will answer that style because that's what we saw in the group stage. And you're right. If Xmithy is able to, you know, get a priority pick and play confidently, I think we have a chance. That's the biggest thing. I Again, I just watched the latest Avali episodes. It's fresh in my mind, but Vedia said uh, <laughs> he made a point when Liquid beat G2 and there was that first gank mid and Xmithy does the flag and drag flash knock up onto Caps. And I'm not going to lie, as a as an N.A. fan, I was like, dude, we like never see that shit here. <laughs> like no one ever <laughs> goes for those really hard mechanical plays. So it's cool to watch that. Uh, and I think if Smithy's willing to do those kinds of things, if everyone in Team Liquid, I, I believe that they're mechanically good enough. It's just we've been conditioned in N.A. that don't mess up to play really safe. Uh, but if they're willing to duke it out around those objectives and win those fights, I think we have a chance. And I agree with you. I, I liked seeing that aggressive style because someone said this and it got me a little bit, it grinded my gears because they were like, oh, North America, they always talk about how they can't play up to the, the level of international uh, talent in top two teams because they don't see this type of thing in North America. And I was like, well, how many times can we say this before it's, well, you know what, how about we start doing other things and that we know we won't see in our region and studying that and practicing that. I think we've seen it in the past, but seeing team liquid actually do it and be like, you know what? Screw how we used to play based on North America or teams that are just aren't good enough to challenge us early levels. So we just take everything and let's play aggressive as if we don't own anything just yet. Yeah. We don't have anything taken for granted. Basically. My only concern <sighs> is you talked a little bit about individual mechanics and, Impact versus the Shy, Ning versus X Smithy, Rookie versus Jensen, not to mention the bottom lane, Jackie Love and Babylon. They're having a great it tournament. It just yeah. seems overwhelming. I, I I don't think it's that overwhelming when I think of everybody in isolation. It's when you put them together, they get scary. And you talked about Liquid changing their play style. I like that they're putting impact on carries. I liked that they started doing that in NA so that they were prepared for MSI when they're doing it. But we still saw the growing pains that they don't fully understand. There's that one. I think this was against IG the first time uh, they had impact on rise in the bot lane. 
And then the rest of the four members just kept trying to fight IG's four members. It's like, no, stop. <laughs> just play safe and let Impact, who's on the rise, scale up and control the sideline. Liquid doesn't really know how to play around Impact on a carry. Uh, and that definitely showed in the group stages. If they can learn from that, though, for this series, I, again, all of my, <laughs> all of my like, Liquid can win is uh, there's a lot of ifs involved. Um, but if they've learned, I think that they can actually stand a chance. Like they, those two IG games, the first like 20 minutes were not heavily IG favored. Like it, it was pretty competitive. And then Liquid just makes a mistake and IG capitalizes. But if we just play perfect, you never know. And, and Double spoke on that in his interview as well, where he said that we want to play fast and aggressive because playing slow isn't going to work. But at the same time, we got stomped doing that because we tried to do it their way. And he was referring to... IG and even, you know, SKT in some ways when Clit actually gets on Lee Sin, he plays extremely oh, quick yeah. and fast. G2 as well. And he said we still have to do it in a team liquid way where we still play somewhat methodical, somewhat around our own win conditions, but we just do it faster than we're normally used to. But bringing up G2, they're going to be facing off against SKT and both these matches, one will be Friday, tomorrow at 6 a.m. Eastern time, and then Saturday at 3 a.m. Eastern time for those that want to try and get up that early and watch that on the East Coast. But G2 facing off against SKT, and a lot of G2 fans and European fans are going to come into this confident because G2 had a 2-0 record against SKT. But Steve, I'm not so sure about it because SKT looked a bit monstrous coming out of groups in their last games. In your mind, is G2 still the favorite? Well, I kind of have to root for G2 just because I don't think there's a chance that Liquid beats SKT in the finals. Uh, <laughs> so that kind of just by default makes me root for G2 here. I don't know if they have it in them. Uh, yeah, you're right. They went 2-0 in the group stage. They're also a fun team to watch. They always pull out these surprise picks, but I got to side with the analyst desk. I don't remember who it was that said this. I want to say... Uh, it I don't, I don't remember. I'm not going to try, but somebody was saying that, uh, G2 might not have enough surprise picks. Like how much more is left in their bag to win by pure cheese. It kind of feels like they're going to actually have to commit to strategies that have been shown now. Like if SKT does their research, they've seen a lot of different looks of G2, uh, and they should have a better understanding of how to answer what G2 did in games from the group stage. That's the key word. I like that you said research because, to me, SKT is like the Patriots. And just like the Patriots, you can be evenly sealed with them. And this is the first time I think I've ever said this in my time watching League of Legends, that G2 is a team that individually, they are even with SKT in skill. I mean, Faker wow. obviously has a little bit over caps because he's Faker. But in every other position, I feel like G2 matches up well with SKT. I mean, but... Yankus has been having a good tournament, but have you seen Clid? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's Clid on Lee Sin. If you don't give him Fair. Lee Sin, Fair. I think he, he, he's not as good. But it's his comfort pick. But SKT, like the Patriots, you give them enough time to prepare and research in a best of five. And it's so hard to beat them unless you are an Invictus Gaming. Unless you are one of those top teams. Like, I'm talking S-tier, upper echelon world championship caliber teams skt with prep time is scary stuff yeah. and as you said g2 at this point it's the end game now and they're all out of options they're all out of crazy wacky stuff to pull out unless they want to pull out like a, a victor top or 
Galio Jungle, but please don't do that. I had it in thing. my solo queue game yesterday. We don't know because <laughs> they keep surprising <laughs> us. Like there's no, it feels like there's no end to the surprises. But we've been surprised so many times that I just gotta believe we're getting close to the end of what G two has. But I think that their best chance of winning is if they just have more. If they just have an unlimited amount of silly, wacky picks that SKT just doesn't understand how to play against. Uh, and you just confuse the enemy. It's like the drunken martial arts style. It's like, if if they don't know where my attack's coming from, because I don't know where it's coming from, then how are they going to defend it? And, I mean, you're not wrong. They they still haven't, to the utmost, used the fact that perks used to be a mid laner. You know, they obviously have taken mm -hmm. Nico to the bot lane. They do it sometimes, but this tournament, they really, I mean, he's been playing a lot of traditional AD carries in a sense where they haven't been mages, hasn't been anything like off meta, they still have room to do that, to go a double mage comp, a mage in a bot lane, do something like that, yeah. and try and hit SKT from the left with something that no one would have even possibly thought of, even in their wildest imaginations coming into this And tournament. we also, I don't think we've seen this at least, I don't think we've seen G2 play uh, Sonatarik yet at MSI. We've seen Sonatark, no, but G2 hasn't played it. We know G2 can play it. <laughs> uh, so I feel like if SKT leaves that up for any of the games, G2 might actually take that because Perks, I, in my opinion, hasn't been the strongest looking of the carries on G2. I think Wonder and Caps are looking more consistent. Except, I mean, Caps has, okay, right as I say that I remember <laughs> his out, or Jensen's outplay, the, the Vladimir dive, okay. Maybe Perks is, is having a better Team game. Liquid went full America on them. I, I think if Caps' honestly... Caps's highs are higher than Perks' highs. Let's put it that way. So if Caps yeah. is, on, is having a good day, I trust him on a carry, and then I think G2 can play the Sonatark bot side. But if Caps is having a rough day, which we've seen him have rough days in high-pressure games, I'm thinking finals of Worlds, uh, it could be pretty painful to watch. Yeah, well, we'll have to see. I mean... I I have faith that G2 can still do it. Is it bad that I kind of am rooting for SKT just because I I hate how everyone kind of talks down them just because they went through a slump and it's like, oh, wow, SKT, is it blah, blah. It's like, guys, the world's getting better. They're <laughs> catching up. It's it, They have to change. But we're going to go ahead and move on to the next little bit of MSI because we're going to kind of roll it back to, you know, the previous results of the tournament going back to the group stage, even beyond that, and talk about the emerging regions. We all know this is the regions like the VCS, TCL, region that people don't think of as top tier, given the name emerging. And Do you really think that they are emerging in the sense of they're actually growing to the level of the major regions? Because we saw Fongvu Buffalo get to the group stage, and while they played some teams close, they still fell flat to... What the, I think they ended up two and seven, maybe it wasn't pretty, and it. I feel like if it was a like best of five, even a best of three, it would have been even worse. Which is where it counts, not these one-off lightning in a bottle games, but if we put them into a best of situation versus a G two, even a Team Liquid, and said have at it, would they be able to actually take? the win in the series. Well, we saw a best of nine against Team Liquid, and they lost every one. Uh, I I don't think that the emerging regions... I, it's a pretty tried and true story. Like, a lot of analysts have said this. They just don't have the competition in their own region. It's going to be really hard for them to improve 
their style enough against good teams to be able to beat the good teams. Because they have their own style. I'll give them that. Like, you look at Fongbu Buffalo, how they play. You see similarities in kind of the IgG2 and just that, okay, they're aggressive, but it's how they're aggressive. It's playing around the jungle a lot, like really getting that guy ahead. Uh, I'm very, very impressed with, uh, oh man, now I'm blanking on the name. It's, uh, help me out here. He's in an uh, anime. Uh, Meliodas. Uh, there we go. We got it back. Oh, okay. We got it back. Meliodas. <laughs> I was going to say seven he deadly sins. What's the guy's anime. name? Uh, Meliodas. <laughs> uh, that guy is, has some pop off games right there. Uh, and I think it's cool to see that style, but it's just, if you stop your region every time, you're not really going to improve because no one's showing you your weaknesses. Yeah. And I agree. I, I, I think that individual players, yes, are emerging. You can find those individual diamonds in the roughs in these regions like Meliodas. They're players, you know, players like on teams like 1907 Fenerbahce and Vega Squadron and stuff like that where they, you can tell they could probably play in a major region. But <laughs> as far as the entire region goes, I don't think that you can take, say, like a Flash Wolves, which I think is where this entire conversation between Flash Wolves uh, 1907 Fenerbahce, which is the most recent, and then Albus Knox Luna, these three Ugh. almost flash in the pan teams, except Flash Wolves obviously had a longevity of having success regionally, but when they go to international tournaments, they're only really known as Korean killers, and we'll get to that topic in a second, but between those teams where it's like, okay, they, they made it, they beat major regions, they had that moment, more times than not, it doesn't happen, and I just think while I enjoy the storylines, saying emerging as if, oh, every single time they play, they could do it. If you don't know, they're a wild card. I think that's a little bit of a, a stretch of the imagination. Well, right off the bat, you tilted me by bringing up uh, Albus Knox Luna. If anybody listening doesn't know me, I'm a pretty big CLG fan. Um, and that team will always go down in history as the team that knocked out NA's were they the number one seed? That's something. No, they weren't the number one seed. The number two seed, no. I believe. I think that they yeah. had they qualified by points because they won that spring. They got second place at MSI. Like NA was hype that year, and then that team lost to a wild card team. So I think that the wild card teams they're always gonna be that you know upset if if that makes sense. Like they're always gonna make the tournament more exciting. They're gonna make it spicy. Uh, there's at least going to be one wildcard team that people are really rooting for. Like last world, I was rooting for Fongbu Buffalo because they were able to, you know, take out Flash Wolves and then there wasn't that three-way tie. Uh, and or I, I guess Flash Wolves then had to play the tiebreaker. But uh, I just, I don't think that they're ever going to be more than that. I think that the emerging regions are there for their local fans. They can have a local healthy community that cheers for the teams, that follows the teams, that loves the teams. Um, but I, I don't see them ever growing to the point of being able to beat the top three and or top four. Sorry. NA, yeah. Top four. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Shit. I, I, I agree with you. And I kind of equate to the English Premier League where there are different tiers. There's a Premier League and then there's the league under that. And it's almost like that where you have these smaller city teams where it's great for the local fan base to have. They grow the team. They love the team as part of their lifestyle. But they all know that if you put them up against a Tottenham or a Manchester City or a Manchester United or, you know, teams like that, Liverpool, that they would have no chance of beating them. And 
uh, talk, you brought up LMS, and that's great that you did because I want to roll on to uh, this next topic of discussion that I have because it's interesting because there was one emerging region that turned into a major region, and that was the LMS, and that's because they did have consistent success at international tournaments, but really it was due to one team, and that was Flash Wolves, mm-hmm. and it was really around the fact that they were known as the Korean Killers and could beat teams like SKT, like um, KT Roaster, and... While they did have some dominant performances when during one inter- iteration of the roster, and that was with Maple and Sword Art and just a bunch of names that are now split apart to other teams in other regions. Looking back at it, especially after how abysmal their run seemed at this group stage, do do we really think they deserve the title of major region status two years down the road? Where after that one year of international uh, exceptional performance. They really haven't done much of anything since. It's it's tough because they are always hype around MSI, and then they kind of fizzle out by the time Worlds comes around. So I, I've never actually even been super hype on Flash Wolves as a team. I've never considered them, like, top dogs in the competition with, like, any of the major region top two seeds even, I'd say. Uh, even though they have consistently like kicked NA out of groups at MSI come worlds, I always trust Cloud9 <laughs> over Flash Wolves. Like <laughs> I, I just I have faith in that team. Um, so may, maybe Flash Wolves is better than the number two seed from NA for most worlds, but still, it's like you're right. They lose a oh, huge names, but then they've been trying to replace them. Like we've seen them put up some fights here at MSI. They had a couple really rough games as well. Uh, but I think that they they still they have more fight in them than I see from the wild card or the the up, uh, emerging regions. There we go, emerging regions. I mean, they didn't get sixth place here at MSI. I think that they still have some longevity left. But I think next year MSI will be a big uh, testing point for them. Is can they if it's going to be Flash Wolves again with the same roster? Can they take the experience from this year and then from this upcoming Worlds and uh, really turn that into growth for the players? Oh, it's de- it's definitely a proven fact that they're better than some of the other emerging regions, right? But you have to take into context that it's been stated that they're one of the regions that gets consistent scrims with Korean teams. You know, they I mean, in in a region, they do have some pretty decent teams. They have J Team, uh, I believe, uh, Machi, I think it is, is another team they have that's really good. So in their region, they're great. You know, but it's always Flash Wolves ahead and above the rest. They get scrims with teams like SKT. KT and others, but it's one of those things where I think that the hype around them is what got them to that status, and it's one of those ideas where, just like you said, the analyst talked about how it's these one this team that's greater than the rest of the region by a mile, and they get to the international competition and they fall flat. Flash Wolves was that same thing for a long time, and the only reason that they kind of got promised was by beating SKT a couple times, being that one team out of the whole world that could beat SKT when no one else could. But really, it's another symptom of, hey, we're just really, really good in our region, but then really mediocre everywhere else, and we can scrap some wins against North America, maybe Europe, and what have mm-hmm. you. But I know me personally, I don't... I, I'm like you, I never really had faith in them, and I don't think that they deserve the major region status, which was given to them when they got that extra seed for Worlds, just because of some flash in the pan results here and there that looked like consistency, but correlation does not mean causation, if you get what I'm saying. And honestly, when I look at them and I think about the future of this roster, at least, they they lost Sword Art, they lost Maple, 
when I think of the top performing members of this team, and I had to rank them, I think Betty's, well, maybe Hanabi, number one, Betty, number two, Shousey, number three. Those are the three, you know, local players. The, the t- I think the two worst performing players were the two Koreans. It was Boogie and Rather. I, I don't think that those two, the jungle or the mid lane, impressed me at all the entire tournament. And if I'm an LMS team, I'm thinking, why not just go all in on local talent? If, if the problem is our Korean players, we can just bring in two more local players, maybe try and again, not to make the rest of the region even worse, uh, but try and grab maybe like some of the best uh, talent from the other teams uh, if we really want to go full in on investing in this and just go for a, a full LMS squad because I don't think that they're going to find Koreans at the same caliber that they had before, so why try? And I mean, they they got to do something quick, you know, because... Uh, and I want to bring this up to you, and I want to discuss it a little bit, because I was rolling through Reddit for, you know, regular reasons, trying to find news, just seeing what was up, because Reddit's just so bountiful on quality news. And okay, uh, so I know that you say you. news now, but I definitely heard something else the first time, and yeah. I was really confused. No, yeah, no. No, it's it's definitely, I say news in the most sarcastic okay. way possible. <laughs> All right. Trust me on that one. say, hey, it's your podcast, uh, man. But, <laughs> they, <laughs> but. There is a rumor out there that got a little bit of traction on Reddit that LMS may yeah. disband in 2020. And I'm not talking about I'm I'm talking about this from a position of conjecture of almost like a what if because it was based off something that someone thought they heard. They have a clip of it, but what they thought they heard a couple of LMS uh, native language casters talking about. I won't go too into detail about what could or could not be facts, but say that the LMS did disband in 2020 because of recent unsuccess and they just did not have the funds to continue to run and Riot did not help them continue, Riot didn't give them any backing. What does that tell us about the future of other regions internationally? Is this a foreboding of, you know, other regions? And hey, if you don't start having success now then we're just going to close the doors or is, would this just be again in a what if situation, just a microcosm thing of just LMS kind of having to close down and disperse because of other reason reasons. I, I mean, I honestly, I have no idea. Uh, it's, it's a rumor. <laughs> it's, it's hard to put a lot of stock into it based on the non credibility of the source. Um, or at least mm-hmm. from my perspective, I, maybe it is credible and I just am ignorant, but, uh, ba- based on my current knowledge, I don't think that's a reputable source. Um, but if, if we do want to say, what if, you know, I'll just, just think about it. I don't know what, if, if that even affects other regions, cause I see other regions approaching it differently. Like, like take Fong Vu Buffalo, for example, five local players on their team. They didn't outsource. They didn't bring in any imports. They're not spending their money to get hype players from elsewhere. They're spending the money that they have to develop the players that they have. And I think that, like, going back to the point I made earlier, you can have a healthy local fan base that watches the local games, a la North America, that doesn't have success at the international (laughs) stage and still be fine. Uh, It just means that, you know, come international competition, you're probably going to, you know, be a little disappointed in how far your team goes, or at least celebrate when they make it out of groups or something like that uh but that doesn't necessarily mean that the region itself is going to die just because you're not making it to semifinals of worlds every year like i don't think you have to be that successful 
to have a healthy ecosystem in your esport. So I think if the LMS just had a different approach and said, look, we're going to stop spending our money to try and get all these Korean players over here and just grow our local talent, maybe they won't be as successful. Maybe that's not the answer to get wins at MSI and Worlds, but they could still have a local scene. Right. They're they're healthy. And that's that's why I was when I looked at it, I was like, well, A, again, it's a rumor. So it is more than likely not true until and knowing right until something actually happened and we learned about it from an ESPN or something like that. It wouldn't be like a trickle through of information. But you're right. They spend a lot of money trying to get imports, and when you're not having success, and people then therefore stop watching, stop coming, because you divested out of your local town, which means you don't have any fans that can connect with them. And every other region, we see that. We see, you know, like you said, BCS, local town. A lot of TCL town is local town. They have some imports, but really not too many. LJL, they're all just healthy. They're not super big. They don't expect much internationally. But locally, healthy, fans love it, fans love attending, they really bind to the team, so I agree with you. I think that, and I hope that it, it would be, if this were even proven true, a just small blip, you know, something that because LMS made a mistake and not a bigger symptom of a pandemic, if you will. But we're going to go ahead and move topics, because I want to talk... Something a little bit more general, not MSI related. This is uh, moving on to organizations and infrastructure and things of that nature. And we're going to be talking about Optic Gaming, as everyone may have heard of. And if you haven't just yet, they are up for bids. And more specifically, their parent company, Infinite Entertainment, is trying to basically sell off their themselves. And Immortals is in the front running. Nothing's been confirmed just yet, but... According to sources, it's really up to a single date, May 31st, where they, there needs to be a decision made by then or else the deal is off, basically. And it's being held up a little bit. Some people say, others say there's nothing holding up. They just want to get the deal done. But really, Steve, what I want to ask you is, first of all, your thoughts about this entire thing and how this went down and what's its impact on the wider world of esports. Well, first off, I just want to say I, I love this time of year because not only are we treated to MSI and some great international events, but it's also, people forget, the off-season between spring and summer split in the local region. So this is where we see this crazy stuff happen. Like, <laughs> roster swaps happening, which, keep in mind, I think it's been a little tamer, this split, especially since franchising, you know, into the second year. It's, a, it's slowed down. Um, but yeah, this is, this is pretty big news. If this happens, a lot of people are excited to see the immortals brand potentially back in the LCS. Again, I don't put an incredible amount of stock into believing it right now, just because all the articles I've been reading about it and the words that I've been hearing is that, okay, there's discussion. Um, I don't know if it's leaning one way or another. I haven't really heard any confirmation of that. Uh, it seems like people though, they want immortals. Uh, it's, they had a very large fan base in the LCS. And you asked me, how does this impact the greater esports scene? Infinity has their fingers in a lot. So this isn't just Immortals buying the LCS spot. There's potentially a lot more. I mean, what do they have? The Call of Duty team. They have the, the Overwatch, uh, Counter-Strike. I, I feel they're really into the shooters, but I know I'm going to be missing a couple here. Oh, yeah, they have CSGO. They have Gears of War. Yeah. I mean, Optic Gaming started as an FPS 
uh, team. Yeah. That was their whole thing. And FPS we're, we're the fan base that's excited for Immortals, and I'm sure that there's a lot of Optic fans out there like, oh boy, like not again. <laughs> we just went through this. <laughs> you, you have no idea how many times I've heard, oh, Optic's dead. Oh, it's the death of the Green Wall. Rest in peace, Green Wall. And I mean, my perspective on it is, A, Immortals is doing this mainly for the LCS spot because we all know how much Noel Winston wanted the team in the LCS when the franchising happened. Mm-hmm. It was being easy in. And from what I have heard and through, you know, source again, rumors and conjecture, but it would fit with the time frame is that, and excuse me for anyone that might be hearing cabinets and uh, uh, meowing in the background, my cat is being a little <laughs> I'm hanging out with cats right too now. right now. Don't, if anyone listening isn't hanging out with cats, you're the one being judged right now. Yeah, you have a problem. But yeah, it's basically that Optic Gaming wants to separate themselves. Hex wants to get his brand back and separate itself before this, and it would mean... Obviously, Immortals would have to let go of the Houston Outlaws because they can't have two teams in Overwatch League. They have to let go of the CSGO team because they already have MIBR. But really, what I think this would signal for the wider world of esports is a turning toward basically business, just good business, you know? And you see it more in the FPS scene where fans get more attached to players and teams, and therefore anything that contradicts uh, morally right in just decisions is oh that's terrible they're scummy blah 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 but at the end of the day it's all good business you know Immortals doing this because they want a spot which is going to get them more money and investment back into the scene that they really kind of started this all with and it grows them as an organization because who knows what they'll do with the content creators and stuff and it gets them out of the hands of infinite entertainment that kind of bungled this entire esports thing from the damn near beginning really yeah it's it's interesting to see how franchising has not made LCS team like security any like any more secure almost like I feel I, I mean Hundred Thieves is probably happy um but it I we're definitely seeing that shakeup where yeah Optic Gaming they didn't have the most success in the LCS Immortals were always very popular always saw a lot of regional success uh, this makes League fans excited the the interesting thing to me is just you know. Riot Games denied the Immortals application the first time around. It it felt like a, to me, and I could be completely wrong here. I don't know, but it did feel like a political move where Immortals was investing heavily into the Overwatch League, which was about to come out and compete directly with LCS. For whatever reason, their LCS application was denied, even though they have a very large fan base. And I don't. Maybe they just had a terrible application. I couldn't tell you, but. Uh, I, I'm wondering if we're gonna like how Riot's gonna to react to this. If there's gonna be any like negativity from them of like, okay, teams, like let's let's settle down. This was meant to be a franchise. Like you own the spot, you develop your brand. It almost feels like there's a fire being put out here. Yeah, it's it's it would be interesting to see. Like, do they do they step in almost like a uh like a a union? Like, hey, stop. Stop. You guys can't do this. You know, no monopolizing, <laughs> although it's not really like, a monopoly. Right. They they shouldn't be yeah, able to that would be based really on bad. the rules of the league. But we've seen Riot do things that they shouldn't be able to do before when it comes to running their league. And I think it would set a bad precedent. I agree if Riot's like, well, damn the whole player association and owners having a s- investment and stuff like that. Because this is honestly a, an owner between an owner transaction. There's nothing between Riot. So if Riot finds a way to step in, 
Not only is it necessarily that for whatever reason they have bad blood with the Immortals because they keep trying to stop Immortals from jumping into the league, even when Immortals since that time has shown that they can handle having multiple teams in multiple arenas without going bankrupt, it shows that can any team really put any good faith in Riot when it comes to how they run the LCS? Well, I mean, if they make, if they do something, I that's that's a big if. I don't think Riot if. would. I, I think that they would be cool about it, but I definitely think that there's going to be Riot conversations internally saying, you know, okay, how do we make sure that these teams, if anything, this might be good. It, it might say Riot's now going to say, how do we support the teams more, give them more opportunity to grow their brand, um, and kind of kind of work on that because I I know that there were rumors a while ago also about Clutch uh, selling their spot. Uh, did anything ever come of that? I haven't heard any updates on that lately. I don't believe so. Um, I think there were like also I heard some rumors about well people were you know obviously giving conjecture about oh Golden Guardians might sell this you know people thinking that again oh this is a poor investment based on a lot of what players and. Owners like to say in the public eye and stuff like that, which is a lot of the times some of the teams aren't faring very well in the league like to have gripes, which everyone does when they're not doing so hot in mm -hmm. what they want to do. But there were, yeah, nothing really came of that. Clutch Gaming has already announced their roster. They seem 100% invested in the next season. What I think this also shows us is that for a lot of the investors out there, if they didn't already know, it's, hey, you guys need to make sure that you have all your, and I'll say all your shit straight, you yeah. know, because otherwise you're not going to survive here. You can't just come in, buy a brand and think that everything will be okay because to make a baseball ref reference, Infinite Entertainment, Liberty Media, their, their entire organization in baseball, the Braves in my hometown, they're owned by an organization called Liberty Media. And while because it's baseball, the Braves aren't going anywhere, we are in a spot where it's difficult for us to win because we're having our pockets pinched by the ownership group, so we can't do that much. And Infinite Entertainment did the same thing. They kind of pinched the pockets a little bit, kept and not only that, but didn't really understand the, the arena they were competing in, and therefore didn't have as much success with their brands because they thought they could just come in and hop in and do the thing, yeah. and that's not how it works in any business. And uh, again, this is coming from a very biased perspective uh, as a Optic Academy shoutcaster, um, but I definitely do encourage if optic does stay and they don't sell their spot to find ways to engage with their fan base they've been trying uh and i mean again that's my bias coming through here and that i am part of them trying but not every lcs team had an academy broadcast uh not every lcs team uh has multiple youtube channels focused just on their players and now Optic still has a lot of room to grow and improve in the product that they deliver i'm not saying that it's you know the perfect product uh, we see th things like TSM and Liquid doing incredible things uh, with their content that they make around their team, but they also have a lot of fans to make that content for, and that's that's a difficult thing. Is I don't know if the answer is necessarily make the content and then fans will come. I think it also comes down to be good and then fans will come uh, and kind of do both at the same time. So it's it almost feels like a self fulfilling prophecy. If you're not winning, you're not going to want to invest money. If you're not investing money to get good players or make their environment better, what have you, then they're probably not going to improve, and then you're not going to win, then you're not going to get fans, you're not going to get money. So, ah. And honest, yeah, I mean, and honestly, if, the, if that is the case, and, and what, what we've been hearing is true, is that basically Infinite Entertainment wasn't running operations well enough to keep things afloat without having to sell, which obviously 
probably is because they are selling, period, then it, I think it's a good thing because it means that at least they won't take an entire brand under. Immortals has MIBR. They've been known to basically separate brands while being under the same umbrella. So even if Hex can't get his team back, if that's what is true about the rumors he's trying to do, it doesn't mean that Optic Gaming's done, that they're just going to completely cancel that entire brand. I think it'd be foolish to do so. And I think they do exactly what you're asking, which is they know as an organization that came up from gaming and not was outside a non-endemic brand, that we're going to engage with the fan base and do it better. And I think Optic will grow from this. And I think basically the message is, if you're a team that's struggling and you have no real plan, then please do this for the sake of, you know, esports. Just go ahead and do it for the sake of the community, for the sake of the industry, and don't try and hold on and think you can hold out because of your ownership group has the top minds in business or whatever, because it's a whole different world. But Yeah, it's, it's know, about content. It's, it's about yeah. providing your fans with entertainment and giving your fans a reason to be your fans, because if you're not going to be the top team, you better be a fun team. And props to whoever's the social media manager or content creator for Clutch Gaming. Uh, This is why I was sad when I first, like, rumors first surfaced that they were selling their spot. is because I thoroughly enjoyed the content that they put out this spring. If you just follow their Twitter page and watch the videos that they made, actually hilarious. Same with Golden Guardians. I wonder if it's the same person because they're very similar style. Like, it's just full memes. Um, But I think that that's how you engage with this community that's how you engage with these fans it's not like fans of football or fans of soccer or fans of hockey where you show beer and america and grills out in your front yard no you just you meme you make fun of yourself when you do poorly you be honest with your fans because that's something that i think uh you know esport fans really value they're just not being sold something that isn't true so sell yourself but sell yourself how you are like if you're if you're a terrible team like golden guardians had this video where it was after hanser like completely biffed an ornhorn uh the ultimate and like they even mentioned like twice on broadcast like interviewed him later about it uh and they like turned it into a big meme and i was like that's exactly what i want to see from every team no matter where you are in the standings just be able to laugh at yourself and engage with the fans i mean even before even before flyquest got good they were one of those teams too that just knew they we're just gonna meme you know we're not good but we understand as you said fan engagement is key and that's what really keeps you in it even if you're not playing very well hmm. we're gonna move on to the last topic of the night though and we're gonna talk about something that is very controversial that came up in the news it was about echo fox and the fact that uh rick fox basically threatened to leave the organization if a, another ownership partner in the group didn't didn't vacate his spot because of racial epithets, threats, and rants that were thrown at him and another one of his uh, partners in a meeting in via emails, and Riot got back about it because everyone's wondering how's Riot going to respond? What's Riot going to say after all this came out? Echo Fox gave their statement. They're investigating, quote unquote. Uh, about the shareholder, and Riot finally kind of threw down the very vague, super daddish hammer of, if you don't do something in 30 days, I believe they gave them, then we will take action. Either 30 or 60 days, then we will take action that will be against the interest of Echo Fox, which basically sounded like, as Fionn Fire said on Twitter, like a, a parent, it was either him or Lazarus said on Twitter, like a parent, which is, 
you got to the count of three to do this or else you ain't going to like what ca- comes next. And <laughs> I want to know, what are you, what are your thoughts? Oh, not only on how, Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what are your thoughts on not only how Echo Fox handled this entire thing, but how Riot handled it with this being their first official statement? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting, uh, it, when you look at it from the outside, and again, I think it's very important to just be upfront and honest of any time there's like a conversation about race uh, and like, that being the the hot uh, button is just acknowledge. I'm a white dude. I'm a white male. <laughs> I don't have a lot of pull in this arena. Um, but my viewpoint of it is that Riot is basically top dog in the LCS, right? You, you look at the NFL, they don't have a governing company that can do this. They, they don't have any force that can do that. It's all the fans in the community and then like other members in the league. But this is a unique example where it's not that all the other teams are banding together and saying, we don't want a league with you in it. It's that this other party is saying it. So it's an interesting power question um, of like, yes, I agree with what Riot is doing. I'm happy that they're doing it. Uh, I I do, do not like, I, I'm a fan of Echo Fox, but I don't know if I could be knowing this now almost, which feels bad because it's like, that doesn't mean that the players are participating in that, but uh, that's a whole nother thing. So I like the rides doing it, but it's an interesting power question is like, you know, we don't see this in other sports at all. Yeah. And I mean, I could go on for, for days about this being a, an African American male about its impact, but that's not, I'm going to keep it business related because if you're echo Fox, the way that you handled this was you said, yes, this did happen as far as it goes to uh, his name was Amit Razada, mm-hmm. Rizada, the co-founder Yes, he made racial epithets to Jace Hall, another shareholder, in emails. But then they went on to say that he didn't say or do anything toward Rick Fox and talked about how they still have a 20-year-long friendship and a public statement and they still have business dealings. And I was like, this is not the way you want to go. If Rick and Rick Fox is one of the most genuine non-endemic people to have graced esports. And I love him for it. And he was one of the main reasons why I love the Echo Fox brand. Yeah. Also because they're willing to take on people like Sonic Fox and others, basically just being very all-inclusive. But he was the heart and soul. And for you to basically contradict your heart and soul, I don't even think that Rick Fox has a lion bone in him. If he came out, especially as an, another black male, you come out and say someone said something racist to you, that's not something you take lightly even saying. You don't do that to make a power move. Yeah. You do that because they actually did it. And for you to come out and basically partially defend this guy publicly is a negative. I think it is interesting how Riot handled it because you're right. There is no ownership group in the sense that there's no like offseason owners meetings that at least we were made aware of in the public eye like to do in the NFL where you know that the owners sit in the room, they communicate regularly and talk about how things are going in the league from a business standpoint, not as a competitive standpoint. So from that perspective, it's interesting, but I didn't expect any more from other owners as far as voicing, at least publicly, because it just doesn't run like that in esports mm-hmm. and especially in LCS. But for Echo Fox, I was like, I, I honestly just can't even, I was thinking about buying an Echo Fox jer- jersey one of these days once I had the money because I'd like to ram it now. I just don't think I can. Even if they make the move to remove Rizada and Rick Fox comes back, I just don't know if I could. For the fact they tolerated this before, real it was it would be like a 
okay, you, we didn't, it didn't work out, so we're going to do it. Not, this is wrong, we see it's wrong, we're going to fix it immediately. It's going to be a, well, people raise enough uproar that, all right, fine, we're going to do it because you asked us to, not because we think it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And, I, yeah, I again, I echo your, hey, no pun intended. I echo your sentiment about Rick Fox. He's <laughs> he's like the reason that I was an Echo Fox fan, basically. Everything, like, honestly, part of the reason I got into competitive League of Legends to begin with is just like, oh, cool, like, there's this basketball guy that, that's super into it. Like, that's that makes us legit. Um, and I know that was a big moment for a lot of League fans, especially ones that have been following since the early seasons, because that was really when we started to see more money coming into the scene and it really developed. So it's heartbreaking to see him go... I respect him for the decision he made. I think he was right in the decision he made, and I fully support him. And I think you're right in saying that Echo Fox, a company, handled it very poorly. Uh, not not impressed with them. And I don't know whose decision that was or what conversations were made behind the scenes because this is an this is a what a partial owner that that's the yes. the individual. Uh, I forget his name. What was it again? Uh, Amit, Amit. Razada. Amit Razada. He was actually co-founder. Yeah. Um. The story goes that that he, uh, Rick Fox, and then the owner, I believe, of the San Jose Sharks, kind of came together and basically found an Echo Fox mm-hmm. after getting investment money from the Sharks guy. Okay. So I I don't know how much like the organization challenges or even sees what he does. Uh in terms of like the, the, whoever made the decision for that press release. I, I don't know what their leadership structure is like, but I know that it was a mistake <laughs> for the brand. Like that was, that was a bad call <laughs> to, to go against pretty much what the entire community was supporting and that the community rallied behind Rick Fox. I mean, we talk about other team owners, not really, uh, you know, meeting together to talk about it, but like they were vocal. Steve, we saw from liquid was very vocal in a Travis interview uh, about his thoughts on the matter. So yeah, uh, their PR definitely needs to uh, reassess <laughs> what they're doing because uh, this definitely hurts their brand a lot. And uh, I'm wondering, yeah, how they recover if they do. Because I, mean, I see this going down a really, really dark path for them just because if you think about it, a lot of their top players are minorities, people of color, LGBTQ, and... When they see this from a co-founder of their team, I mean, you already saw Sonic Fox talked about it. I can imagine other players for the team either spoke out vocally or talked about it inside team walls. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if they don't get this rectified, and honestly, who knows what happens? Sonic Fox might decide to leave because he doesn't feel comfortable playing in this environment with a team that condones this. Or what could be worse is that we might hear not hear about it until someone becomes vocal, but like the team takes repercussive actions against players that speak out about it because they're speaking out against the brand, and then that kills the entire brand as a whole. But either way, I just don't see this going down a positive path. I think the next thing in damage control is to do what everyone is asking you to yeah. do. Take the licking for being having to be asked to do it, and then just try and move on as best you can. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, I mean, this could end up way worse than it already looks. Yeah, it, it there's been a lot of just like drama around some of the some of the teams towards the bottom of the standing here in LCS. I just want to take a moment to appreciate that. Maybe maybe this is what needs to happen. Like every uh, every split for the teams that finish bottom four, 
is they just have something crazy like, oh, Optic's going to lose their spot. It's getting bought out. Do you hear what's going on at Echo Fox? Um, <laughs> hey, it gets, it gets buzz. People are talking about it. Um, it's all planned. Exactly, all planned. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that losing players would be a natural uh, kind of step along the process somewhere. I don't know if that happens first or if that happens later, but I think eventually um, you would lose some of your, your big-name players just because they will start to understand it is hurting their personal brand to be associated with the Echo Fox brand. Um, and I, again, there it's, this is crazy to think about. And I just want to acknowledge that there are people out there that might have become bigger fans of Echo Fox for this. Uh, there are people that think that way and that are now like, Oh sweet. That's the org I'm going to back. Um, so that that's really uncomfortable to say and to think about, but I think it's important to just acknowledge that. Um, and say, who knows, maybe the org could still survive just with a very different fan base uh, than, <laughs> than what uh, I would be expected to, you know, interact with, um, or, you know, socialize with casually yeah. kind of got off on a tangent there, but interesting no. story it's, I, again, it's oh, keeping yeah. the off season spicy for us for sure. For sure. And I mean, I'd continue on down that road gladly. I had another thought on my head, but we're, Getting close to the hour mark, so uh, for those listening, I'll probably have to actually cut this into two different parts for, you know, just digestible pieces sake, you know, but Steve, I want to thank you for joining the show again. You've been great, so much insightful knowledge, and you've just been, honestly, you've just been a joy to have, <laughs> especially the Team Aww. Liquid part, that was great thanks man I, I can't it. wait to have you back on again if man. you're gonna if you're gonna cut this into two parts can i do like uh like a silly intro for the for part two and you can i, I can like record that later and then you'll put it in yeah yeah awesome awesome cool cool <laughs> but thanks for having me really appreciate it <laughs> like i said i'm down to talk of league of legends any day of the week uh it's just rare that you know other people might have the chance to to hear my thoughts that's a little scary but you know we'll get past that it's all right hopefully i didn't say anything too inflammatory up uh, bro it's it's north america what i mean honestly yeah we're come on. enough said enough said and i, I want to note whatever he does in the intro right here you're all gonna hear that he asked for it so <laughs> hey you know what i i can only do what he asked hey i'm i'm just a humble host so but without further ado steve but steve sir but kick kangas everybody have a good night we'll see you on the next episode of coach's corner